The second statistic that really resonates with me even more, and part of what contributes to sales being so hard is this, the average tenure of a sales professional is a year and a half. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Today, my guest is Lon Graham, who works with B&B sales professionals on how to connect with your clients and grow sales. He's a professional speaker and conducts sales workshops for companies who want to give their sales teams tools, real tools for success. Before starting his business three years ago, Lon spent over 25 years as an award-winning sales and leadership professional, representing global brands such as Athrex, Novartis, United Airlines, and Six Flags, theme parks. Lon is a member of the National Speakers Association and the National Speakers Association Virginia chapter. Lon is the upcoming president-elect of the chapter and his tenure begins on July 1st. Lon is also a member of the West Richmond Rotary Club in Richmond, Virginia and will begin his role as vice president on July 1 this year. Lon is a very busy man. Also, Lon has been known, wait for it, Lon has been known to show up at local open mic nights and perform stand-up comedy. Before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. Off Script, Master in the Art of Business Improv is available for purchase on Amazon in paperback and in Kindle versions. If you'd like to learn more about the book or better yet order a copy, go to offscriptimprov.com and order your copy by just clicking the click to order button. If you'd like to buy 10 or more books, please contact me so I can offer you a bulk discount. You can reach me through my email at peter at petermargaritas.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate if you leave a review of this show wherever you download your podcast from. Also, please visit my YouTube channel, Peter A. Margaritas, CSP, CPA, Biz Improv Virtuoso, where you can see previous podcast episodes along with this one. While you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any updates. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging, in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. 
a story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Lon Graham. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Man, I'm really excited for my guest today. I've, I've known him for a few years, met him at a NSA Virginia chapter meeting, I was delivering content on improv and he actually paid attention. He was awake, which I was surprised. <laughs> Most everybody had taken a nap, but that's beside the point. So first and foremost, Lon, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with me on my podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, Peter. It's always great to see you. So thanks for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. And I'm going to start off with a banger, man. I, I, I've told you I, I, I'm a salesperson that struggles at times. Why is sales so hard? It's easy for some, but most people I talk with, they have a real struggle with it. Why is that? Well, sales is hard. And, and, and I'll start, there's, there's two statistics that prove um, what you just said that have resonated with me. And these two statistics are pretty consistent over the last 10 plus years. And the first one is, is that sales has the highest turnover of any profession. To prove your point, a third of the sales profession leaves sales every year. And that's 10 points higher than any other profession. So a third of the sales force leaves sales every year. The second statistic that really resonates with me even more, and part of what contributes to sales being so hard is this, the average tenure of a sales professional is a year and a half. Now, you're you're an accountant, you're a math guy, so you understand averages and numbers and all those things. So if you just look at it in terms of a year and a half, the um, take that and let's take 10 people and we'll put them in a room. So all 10 people don't have a year and a half of sales experience. What you've got is you probably have one person who's got five or more years of sales experience, right. which means the other nine have less than a year of sales experience. The reason that matters is this, and this is how I think about it. If you've got nine people that out of 10 that have less than a year of sales experience, that means that those people maybe talk to a client once and don't come back. Well, your client's not going to be really interested in talking to you the first time because they don't know if you're coming back. So why are they going to waste any time with you? And the person that you replaced probably came once. So why? I mean... There's this history and this trend. So the hard thing about sales is, is getting and getting your client to engage with you and getting their attention. What that means is sales is hard. And those two statistics, I think for me, resonate the most to reinforce what you said. And I'll use that to lead into this. One of the most powerful lessons I learned about sales was as a kid growing up. And I learned it from my dad. And you you like my dad. He's a CPA. I'm actually, I'll brag on him. He passed the CPA exam the first time when you had to take the whole thing. Yeah. And it was a written test. 
So my, he's a good dude, but he's also a CPA. So you guys are, you guys are aligned. But um, I learned this from him as a kid growing up. And what I learned about sales is, is the power of being nice. There is a transformational power of being nice to people. And so if you start out your sales career by just talking to people, it's easier than trying to sell somebody. And I spent my time and my background is, is in the recurring sales process. I've worked with doctors, I've worked with event planners, I've worked with you know, um, a number of people, all of my sales over the last 25 years prior to speaking and coaching was where I would get to work with my clients on a recurring basis. And so that's where I really focus my energy. But if you start out by being nice to people and talk to them and spend a little bit of time getting to know them, they're going to be more inclined to want to talk to you. And then they're going to give you a chance to come back. The hard part is, is especially young sales professionals early in their sales career is you want to prove that you know so much. So you tell them everything and they're like, ah, my spouse tells me everything. My kids tell me everything. My business partners tell me everything. I don't need to hear it from you too. And so they tune you out until they have a reason to tune you in. And if it's the first time showing up, they're probably more likely to tune you out than tune you in. And so hopefully that helps a little bit kind of explain what makes it so hard. And that, and then we internalize all the other stuff too. But does that, does that make sense? I actually, I've never heard it put in quite such a, a, a way that I could actually understand it. You know, I, I, I get the part of, you know, a lot of new salespeople are also reading from the script and they right. sound very scripted on the phone or even sitting across the table from someone. I, I love what your dad touches about having that conversation. And remember, Lon, I'm the accidental accountant. <laughs> really not that good. I can pass an exam, but that's not the <laughs> extent of it. So, uh... <laughs> well, well and, and I'll say this, Peter, sales professionals, especially early on, are taught a script and they're almost punished for going off script. Right. And, and that shouldn't be the case. It's, you know, I, I have a buddy of mine, pharmaceutical sales. And just before he retired, he, I mean, he, he doesn't follow direction very well, especially from bosses. And he's, he's always been that way. I mean, Tom, Tom, if you're listening, I'm talking about you. And he said, well, something he always wanted to do. So he sat down in front of this doctor and he was telling the doctor all the uh, uh, side effects from this certain drug. Right going on and on and on and on and on and when he was done the doctor said why would i want to buy this well now that i told you the bad stuff here let me tell you the good stuff right flip that script on him and guess who ultimately was uh, writing scripts for that drug right so it's it's the ability to be able to go off script read that audience and and, and understand get a better understanding but it also takes being seasoned for a period of time not just you know, you're two weeks out of college and you get your first sales job. Um, so I, I've been on your website. I, I love your website, LonGram.com. And you talk about this thing called the four C's. Help me understand what they are and how they, how they will help anyone who wants to become a better salesperson. Well, well, thank you, Peter. Appreciate that. And um, this, the four C's is a framework that I've developed and it's, it's an experience over, you know, what I've learned about 
what I've done wrong <laughs> and also um, what, what has worked. And it's a combination of both of those things. And, and the four C's, the framework is designed and, and in the center of, I've got a graphic and then the center of it is, is a heart and it's what you want. And at the heart of it is what you want. And then to get it, the four C's set you up for that. And the first C is choice, is choose. And choose is where your goal is. How do you how do you choose what it is that you want? The next C is commit. And it's what do you commit? What step do you have to take for you to make progress toward that goal? Connect is who do you have to connect with? And the person you want to connect with or have to connect with is the person who either has what you want is doing what you want or has access to what you want. And that connect piece is where I spend a lot of time talking, especially with keynotes and, and sales talks. When I talk to sales groups, I spend a lot of time there. And then the fourth C is celebrate. And celebrate is recognizing the progress that you've made and recognizing and acknowledging a win. And I say that the celebrate should be representative of the work that you went into it. So for example, in sales, if your goal is to get a meeting, well, if you can get on the calendar and get that meeting, maybe you celebrate by going and buying a Coke at the 7-Eleven on the way out, or maybe you go buy an ice cream. But if you grab, or, well, you know, we're, hey, we're getting the meeting isn't bourbon worthy, buddy. <laughs> Closing the deal is, is bottle worthy. <laughs> I saw that look. I got you. Um, but but the but the point of it is, and, and it's a wheel, so it, it yeah. continues to evolve. And and I use getting out of sales for a minute, I'll use going to college and graduating from college as an example. You know, you choose where you're going to go to college, you commit to going to school, you commit to taking the courses, you connect with your professors, you do the work, and then when you graduate, you celebrate. Well, in college, if we're talking about representative celebration equivalent to the work, well, some people went to college for four years. People like me took quite a bit longer to do that. But when you graduate, they throw a big party and tell you to invite your friends and family to come to this big auditorium and watch you walk across the stage and shake hands with either the president of the school or the dean of your college and represent and congratulate you for the work that you did. Well, it took you probably four plus years to do that. And so they throw a big party and tell you to bring the people that you care the most about and they care the most about you to celebrate with you. That's the same thing, right? So if you right. get a meeting, you get a Coke. If you close a deal, you buy a bottle of bourbon. If you graduate from college, you throw a big party. If you get a new, so it's all, it's all equivalent and it's, a, and it's a wheel and it continues to roll. Um, but I focus a lot on that connection piece. And I'll say this on the sales part of it is in order to get what you want as a sales professional, you have to connect with the person who has it. And when you're in sales, the person that has what you want is your client. And so you have to connect with your client. Now, what makes sales so hard is how do you connect with your client? Well, you start by meeting your client in their story and understanding what they're doing and what they're dealing with so that you can provide solutions to the challenges that they face or contribute to them being more productive and more profitable. And then 
when you do that, they're going to connect with you and they're going to help you get what you want because once you're both connected, they it's hard for them to get good salespeople too. So they're going to do everything they can to keep you coming back. That makes a lot of sense. And when you just described that, and I can see where, I can see where the, the, the challenge is, and it goes back to Lon attended uh, was part of the uh, uh, beta team with my virtual improv workshop. Great student, by the way. <laughs> that was a lot of that was a lot of fun. But one of the things you know, what improv has taught me is become a better listener. And I think when you're describing that in the connect, I think a lot of times we're trying to connect with the prospective client, but we've got a narrative floating in our head. And we're not listening to what they want, they need. We've got the script going. We've got this thing. And that's where it could also fall apart. Because why do I want to connect with someone who's not really listening to what my needs and wants are? They're just trying to sell me something. Right. 100%. Yeah. So as I, as I look at this, you know, the choose be clear about what you want, about that goal that you want. And, and I think in, the, in that stage, you've got to be honest with yourself. Right. Can, can you share any stories about that, that honesty, whether it's you or people that you know or uh, scenarios? Well, I think, I think one of the problems, one of the challenges, one of the pro- not one of the problems, mm-hmm. one of the challenges that we as salespeople face is we tend to look at, and, and look, I'm, and I, everything that I tell you that I've learned is probably because of a mistake that I've made somewhere along the way. Absolutely. So, so um, it, it's, it, it's something that I've learned because I did it wrong more than I did it right. <laughs> but one of the challenges that we face is, is at the beginning of the year, whether you're on a fiscal year or whether you're on a calendar year, we get a number, we get a quota, we get a, you know, sales, some salespeople call it a nut. We get this, we get this quota that we're responsible for. And we start trying to hit that number in January or the first month of the year. And so what we end up doing is, is we end up going in and clubbing our clients over the head with these sales, trying to sell something immediately. And whether we know them or not, and even if we do know them, we still have to build credibility. We still have to earn their confidence. And we, so the, the choose piece is you talk about how do you be realistic? Well, I think the way to be realistic is, is to build a series of steps. And this four C's is, is shaped in the form of a wheel. If you look at on my website, there's a picture of me behind on the front where I'm giving a talk that shows this wheel. And it's in the form of a wheel because it's progressive. So what happens is, is you choose a goal. Well, let's say you want to start working with a client that's at the top of your target list, your ideal client. Maybe you know him or her a little bit, but you you aren't doing any business with them. And so you want to do business with them. Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to get in and get to meet them. So set a goal to meet that client in person. Well, how do you do that? Well, then you commit to getting on the calendar and how do you get on the calendar? Well, you have to connect with the person who's got control of the calendar. Right. When you connect with that, whether it's a scheduler, whether it's a, I worked with doctors, so PAs, medical assistants, uh, you know, lots of different people have access to their calendar depending on the physician and their role, but you get on the calendar, you connect with the person who has access to that calendar 
And now you've got a meeting. So you celebrate that. Maybe you walk out and you raise your hands and you go, woo, you do your best Ric Flair, right? <laughs> so, and then, then you set the next goal. Okay, your next goal is, I'm going to get to know this person at the meeting. Well, okay. So your goal is to get to know them. You start by doing a little bit of research on them before you meet with them so that you have enough to start the conversation. And then when you meet with them is the connect phase. And that's when you connect with them, you get to learn about them and what they do. And the questions that I really think are so important for sales professionals to know that they don't take the time to get to know enough, especially early on. And even later on, if you've been working with someone for a long time, if you can't answer these questions, you should find a way to learn them. Is what does your client or potential client do best? And that is their productivity. So if you can contribute to them doing more of what they do best, you're making them immediately more productive. And the second question that I like in this format is, who's your ideal client? You know, an orthopedic surgeon operates on people with bone and tissue issues. They don't work on heart patients. <laughs> and a cardiologist works on heart patients. They don't work on people with bone and joint issues. So understand who your ideal client, who their ideal client is. And now what you have is you have an insight into how that potential client thinks because you know what they do best, which is what they want to do, who their ideal client is, who's who they want to work with the most. And if you can contribute to them doing more of what they want to do with who their ideal client is, you've just made them more productive and more profitable. As you were telling that story, and, and, and as, as Guy Fieri would say, that's spot on. That's, that's, that's spot on right there. <laughs> that, that's money. That's money. I wish um, I had his hair. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you who are listening to this versus go watch the video. Uh, you, you see, you'll see Lon has this luxurious, thick head of hair, and that's sarcasm. <laughs> Well, you, if you look at the website, it's pretty clear. I got to, I got to cover the shine. <laughs> but it, it reminded me of the story. Once I, 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 yeah, I was in, I was out in Phoenix, and I was on another speaking engagement, and I wanted to do more work with the uh, Arizona Society of CPAs. So I have to contact the person in advance and say, "Hey, I'm out in Phoenix. Uh, I'm done with my thing like at, at like 11 a.m. I don't, my flight doesn't leave till five. Love to stop by and say hello." So, okay, well, I'll just, that's fine. If you want to, I'll just let you know that we're already booked for the year. So, that's okay. I just want to come in and meet you. So I made that commitment. I, 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 when the day came, I was there. I did my research and stuff and just sat down. And to be to your father's point, I was just being nice. I was just being curious. I was just asking questions and stuff. Right. Um, so when we were done, I walked out of there with two speaking gigs. <laughs> and the calendar was full. Right. So it goes to your point is, is to do you research, don't try to sell them, just try to understand them, connect with them, and they will ask you what you do, you're authentic and genuine, and you never know, you might walk out with it, or you might not, the, the calendar might be full, however, they're going to remember you. Right, it's full now, it's yeah, not it's, full forever. Right, it's full, that's a good point, it's full now, not forever, and I will say I did celebrate on the flight back. <laughs> hopefully they hopefully what they had on the flight was up to your standard because i 
I know a little bit of your background, so hopefully it was well, okay. Well, Lon, it, it was Delta, and Delta <laughs> serves Woodford Reserve. And on a side note, I, wrote, I made a note of this. Uh, Lon is a Woodford Reserve groupie. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Lon, what, tell me, you got a pair of boots with what? So, yeah, this is a fun story. So the story, so I, the, the whole reason I started drinking Woodford Reserve is so, you know, you know, Peter, my name's Lon Graham. And so my initials are LG. And then Virginia, we have ABC stores. We don't have liquor stores. We've got ABC stores and they're state control stores. So I'm in the, I'm in the ABC store and I'm looking for some bourbon. And this is 25 years ago, maybe I'm looking in, I'm, I'm looking at this bourbon and it has a band on it that's got this interlocking LG logo. And so I buy a pint. I'm like, even if the bourbon's terrible, I've got a bottle that's got my initials on it. And it makes me look like kind of a big deal, right? So, well, it turns out it was really good. And so I started giving it away for Christmas presents. And now me and all my buddies are drinking bourbon is Woodford. So... On this band, they have this interlocking LG logo, which is why my brand isn't an interlocking LG logo because I get sued. <laughs> but I was in I was in uh, San Antonio for a course about ten years ago, and I went into this Lucchese outlet, the Lucchese boot outlet, and they have it's it's as big as a Best Buy or as a Target. It's huge, and it's all these different kinds of boots. It's amazing. And so I'm talking to the to the manager of the store and I said, hey, is there um, do you guys make custom boots? He goes, well, we don't make custom boots, but we'll customize them. I was like, what does that mean? He says, well, we'll you can pick the skin. You can pick the heel. You can pick the toe. We'll make it to a standard size. And if you want to brand the shaft, you can brand the shaft. I'm like, so how do I do that? He goes, well, just give me a picture. I said, so if I go home and take a picture and email it to you, You'll put that on a shaft. And he goes, yeah. So I went home, took a picture of the interlocking LG logo on a wood bottle of Woodford Reserve and emailed it to him. And I said, can you work with this? He goes, got it. So I have a pair of dark brown goat skin boots with the interlocking LG logo on the shaft. And it's fabulous. It's <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, you sent me you sent me a picture of that. That, that's, that was I was very impressed, uh, extremely impressed. Uh, and anytime to get a little bourbon talking on this podcast, that just makes my day right there. <laughs> we could we could we could go a long way down that road. We can go as far as you want. <laughs> but I, I tell you, what, I do want you to share a story, an sure. early story that we talked about before we got started, because uh, today is Monday, Tuesday, excuse me, after the two, 2022 National Basketball. Association uh, Collegiate uh, Championship where Kansas defeated North Carolina. Right. I'll leave it with that. You can take it from there. Well, it, so last night was the game, Kansas beat North Carolina in, in a really a great championship game. And I came down to my office, and you can kind of see in the corner here. Yeah. Um, I've, got, I've got two framed pictures on my wall. And one has the Kansas letterhead on it, and the other has the North Carolina letterhead on it. And when I was in college, and I, I had a big dream to want to coach college basketball. And so what I decided to do, and this was before um, email was really available, and mobile phones weren't really available. So I, 
I started a letter writing campaign to coaches that I admired. And I'll actually lead this into um, part of my framework because it leads into that framework is um, I, I wrote at the time, Roy Williams was the head coach at Kansas. And so I wrote him a letter and he wrote me back. And, and in the letter, it said, I, I'm a big fan of you. I'm a big fan of the way your teams play. I'm a big fan of the way that they show up. I'm a big fan of all the things that you do as a coach. I want to coach. Will you give me some advice? He wrote back and, and I had gotten some advice from somebody else too, that said, Hey, if you get an opportunity to work summer camps at these big time colleges, then you should. So he wrote back and he goes, um, he goes, we don't really have, we, we always hire former players and, but, and, and at the time I was in a, I was working in the airline industry. So I had an opportunity to travel. I said, if I'd love to come see you, if you'd be willing to sit down with me, he goes, well, I don't know when we're in, but if you're going to come in, you know, send the office a note and we'll see if we can get you in. Well, it never worked out that I did that, but he was at Kansas at the time. I wrote Dean Smith and I also wrote Dean Smith a similar letter. I'd actually had a chance to meet Dean Smith and shake his hand for about a minute. Um, and he was super, super nice guy. So I wrote, I said, Hey, here's when I met you. You were super nice. It was after a really tough loss. And thank you so much. I love the way you coach. I love the way your teams play. I love the way they show up. I want to coach. What advice will you give me? He wrote me back as well. And they both wrote a little bit of a handwritten note and, and, and signed it. I framed both of those and a couple others that I did too, but I framed both of those. And on the left is the letter that I wrote and on the right is their response. And I ended up making a choice at when I graduated from college that I was a little bit further along in my professional career than I was willing to give up. And I knew that if I was going to coach in college basketball, I was going to have to go back to the bottom. And I just wasn't willing to go that far back because I was in my early 30s. The point of that is this, is that it goes back to the connect piece of the four C's. And here's what I mean by that. In order to get what you want, which is at the foundation of everything that we do in our life, at the heart of it's what we want. In order to get it, you've got to connect with the person who either has it, is doing it, or has access to it. Well, I wrote people that were doing what I wanted to do. And the way you connect with them, it goes back to meeting them and their story first, right, Peter? Mm -hmm. I said, here's what I like about you and what you're doing and the results of the work that you do. I want to do it too. Will you give me some advice? Now, the reason that people like Roy Williams and Dean Smith and other coaches that I wrote, I'm a Georgia guy, you know that. I wrote Vince Dooley. He wrote me back too. Um, the reason those people are willing to write people back to demonstrate an interest in them and their work is because it establishes legacy for them. It also gives them the opportunity to give back what somebody before them gave them because people that are in a role got there because somebody helped them get there and they're willing to help somebody get to where they are for legacy, but also to continue and sustain that profession or that career, because if they can help build the next generation of people. So that connect piece on my four C's is, is a result of, thinking about those letters that I wrote and a lot of other things that I've done too. But it's, if you have something that you want to do professionally, I talk a lot about sales because that's my background. You got to connect with the person who has it. 
And if you connect with them on their terms, they're going to become interested in you because they know you're serious about it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. More than you, more than I'll care to share right now, but absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, but you bring up something very powerful. You sat down and wrote them. You didn't email them. You, you sat down in a handwritten letter. And, I, and I, I contend that if there's somebody you want to meet, if there's some client that you want to research and do exactly what you do, but do it in a letter, not in an email, because they will absolutely open that letter or the oh, gatekeeper yeah. will open that letter and, they'll re, and it, they will, it will get to the person. And that will make a bigger impact than sending an email. 100%. Can I give you, so it's an extension of that story. Can I give you one more? Absolutely. So at the time I was working, I was going to school full-time. This was the last time that I went to school. I was going to school full-time and, and I was working full-time. And, and this was when I was at United Airlines. So I was working nights and weekends so that I could go to school during the day. And one of the people that I wrote, and this is in the late nineties, one of the people that I wrote was Billy Donovan. And yeah. Billy Donovan is now the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. He was, yeah. he was at the University of Florida at the time. Yeah. And in this letter I wrote him, I was like, hey, you know, he played at Providence. He played for Rick Pitino at Providence. Mm -hmm. they, they went to the final four at Providence. So I, I wrote him, I was like, hey, you know, I really, gosh, man, you had such a great college career as a player. And now I love seeing what you're doing. And he was at Florida. This was seven years or six years before they won back-to-back -back national championships at Florida. So he's just getting started. Yeah. And I wrote him a letter. I was like, hey, I love what you did as a player. I really like what you're doing as a coach. I think you're going to be amazing. You know, what advice would you give me? Other people have recommended working camps. Do you recommend that? He wrote me back and said, if you want to work our camp, my assistant coach's name is Donnie Jones, and you can call him. And if we can get you in, we will. Well, that's not the best part. The best and the worst part is, so I was working nights, and this is before cell phones and before digital answering machines. So we had, you know, tapes in the answering yeah. machines. This is why I was writing letters. <laughs> he called one day, he called the house. So I come home from work. I'm hanging out with my roommate on a Saturday afternoon. We're drinking a beer. He goes, oh, yeah, I meant to leave you a note. A couple of days ago, this guy called some guy named Billy. And I'm like, Billy. He goes, Billy who? He goes, I said, Billy Donovan. He goes, yeah. I said, quit messing with me. He goes, no, no. He called. He said, if you want to call him back, call him. So he called my house and I'm so mad at my roommate because it took him almost a week to tell me about it. He forgot to write that. And he was not a basketball guy. He had no idea who Billy Donovan was. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. My point is this, is if you connect with people and start out by, because if you call somebody and say, hey, look at me, I should do what you do, you owe me, they're gonna, they don't have time for you. Same thing yep. with sales, right? If right. you go in and tell them everything you know, they don't have time for you. But if you say, here's what I know about you, here's what I like about you, here's why I want to learn from you, and here's why um, I think if you give me some advice, I'm willing to do it, then they're going to help you. But you got to start with them. You got to start in their story. And I'll bring it all back to sales by saying, same thing with your client. You got to understand your client and what they're trying to accomplish and why it matters to them. And then when you can contribute to them doing more of that, 
they're going to want you around because finding good salespeople is hard too. And so if you connect with them, they're going to want to make sure that you're still around as long as you can be. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense, but I can't. I, I, my, if we stop it there at that story, my my audience is going to kill me because you didn't say if you called Billy Donovan back. I did, I did, but it just it, it ended up going down a okay. going down a rabbit hole. So I never talked to him, but okay. super super nice. Yeah. And and all three of these guys, Hall of Fame coaches, yeah. have won national championships, and they had you know they dictated a letter, but then they also hand wrote a note yeah. and signed it. Same thing. So to your point, um, you know, people help them get to where they are. And same thing to your audience, right? If there's something you want to do, reach out to somebody who's doing it because somebody helped them get there and they want to help the next generation. They just don't have time to go looking for them. So you got to go to them. Absolutely. So as, as we wrap this up, you're, you're, you're a risk taker. <laughs> You're well, most of those people that I know are they, they're not afraid, they're not risk averse. So, over the last few years, is there something? And I'm setting you up, I'm throwing you a softball right here. Is there something that you have done that a lot of people would never do in their life, but you, you've kind of thrown yourself into it and um, you, you're, you're still and you're still doing it? Yeah, Peter, thank you for, for asking that question. So, right before the pandemic. Um, I signed up for a comedy school class and I took uh, and a stand-up comedy, not, not improv. We've done improv together, which is a lot of fun, but to do stand-up comedy. And I took a class at the, at the improv, at the uh, Richmond funny bone, which is a mm-hmm. national chain, but we have a, I'm in Richmond, Virginia, and we have a funny bone here. And so it was, it was eight weeks of working with a professional comedian who taught us the structure of jokes, how to write jokes, how to deliver jokes. And we got to practice. And our graduation was ultimately there were seven of us in the class and our graduation was, you know, standing up and giving a five minute to 10 minute set of our material in front of an audience of, of a little over 200 people at the funny bone. So my first experience doing stand-up comedy in front of a live audience is with 200 people sitting in, and at the Richmond Funny Bone. Now, they're all rooting for us because they know it's our graduation. But I can tell you that I was more nervous about that than getting on any stage that I've been on, given a talk to a group of salespeople who I'm talking about 25 years of my life and trying to share an hour's worth of that experience with them. My heart was about to explode. And I still get more nervous for a five minute set doing an open mic night at a local brewery. And Richmond's got an amazing community of stand up comedy. It's fun. It, you know, talk about raising your heart rate, right? I mean, right. that's, you know, that's that. Yes. So I did that. I still do it. I still get nervous and I still love it because when I tell a joke where they laugh, Oh my goodness! It's like crack. It's a, it, it's it, it it's it's almost as good as a good bottle of double oak. Almost. Well, you know that the, the, there's an old joke in comedy. What's the difference between stand up and heroin? I don't know. You can quit heroin <laughs> because you you get that belly laugh. 
Oh my god. When you gosh. get that belly laugh, it's addictive and you keep chasing that belly laugh. And I haven't done stand up in about five plus years, maybe even longer than that. But I have this conversation. I'm going, I need to go polish up some of that stuff and see if I can go get a I try to get a belly, I try to use my humor now in my presentations, but right. I still have that I still have that desire every now and then to go into a, a comedy club and do an open mic night and see how badly I can bomb. Well, it's 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 different. And so you talk about bombing, right? I was last summer. We were um, there's a lot there's a lot of microbreweries in Richmond. There's a lot of wineries too in Virginia. And I was hanging out with some some friends of mine that actually came to graduation night and come out every once in a while support me um, doing open mic stuff. And we're sitting out there drinking some wine and we're just cracking up, just laughing, you know, life life laughing stuff, just having a great time. And my one friend goes, I cannot imagine a world without laughter. And I was like, Oh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I can. I've been that guy in a room full of five people and three of them work there and trying to get a laugh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'd rather do stand up in front of a room of 50 than a room of three. Right. But that teaches you a lot about the public speaking profession. That teaches you a lot about how to read an audience and how to how to that, actually that teaches you how to do a presentation in front of accountants. 100%, yeah. They, they won't they won't laugh the, 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 but you know they're laughing inside they just right. they just won't let it out and i'm going to end it on that point before <laughs> i get all these <laughs> these letters lon i can't thank you enough this has been an absolute blast i i, I love your story i love your business you. people can find you by going to your website which is longram.com and your email address lon at longram.com and there's a yeah. link that you can you can email me or schedule a call on my website. So perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time. I can't wait till our paths cross and they'll have to put a third shift on at Woodford. hundred percent. That's exactly right. I loved it. But it was, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun and it's great to see you. I look forward to seeing you again. Absolutely. I want to thank Lon for sharing his passion for helping sales professionals become better at their craft. We all can be better at our craft of sales. Thank you, Lon. Remember, there are people who prefer to say yes, and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventures that they have, and those who say no are rewarded by the safety they obtain. Be a yes person. Thank you for listening. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.